Michelle Prince, founder and CEO of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Michelle Prince, host of the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we put the spotlight on successful thought thought leaders, founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, people that are doing good, great things. They're building businesses, they're creating movements, and they're making a huge difference while they're leveraging the power power of authority in their own lives. Um, I'm excited about my guests today that I'll introduce you to in just a minute, but this episode is brought to you by Performance Publishing Group. We provide top quality, comprehensive book publishing services for soon-to-be authors. Uh, The performance publishing team has helped hundreds of people realize their dream of becoming an author, and I am such a big believer that everyone should write a book. I know my guest believes that because he's uh, written books, he's writing a couple more books as we as we speak as well. So, um, so definitely want to tell your story. But as a partner publisher, Performance Publishing Group can offer you more than just expert guidance. They want to make sure you get the book of your dreams and reap the rewards. To learn more, go to performancepublishinggroup.com. But let me introduce you to Wade Galt. Wade teaches entrepreneurs and professionals to create an abundant and sustainable three-day weekend lifestyle so they can better enjoy their family, friends, and life. He's a 20-year software company founder, business growth coach, and author of books on business growth, finance, personal growth, parenting, and spirituality. He and his family have lived Oceanside in North America and South America, and he enjoys three-day weekends and Fridays at the beach playing volleyball with friends and weekends with his family. That sounds like a beautiful life. So welcome to the show, Wade. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy to have you because I we met, it's been, gosh, it's been a little while now, I was on your podcast and talking about, you know, three-day weekends and 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 that whole lifestyle. So it's I'm, I'm glad to be able to bring you on the show too, to, to talk about that because who doesn't want a three-day weekend? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people want it. They just don't realize it's a variable. It's a possibility. So they think they sometimes make it more complex than it needs to be. So you have been and are a business owner. So you you can relate to those listening. And, and some of people are probably thinking there is no way if I'm building a business, I, I, I could take a three-day weekend. I'm working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week trying to get this business off the ground, scale it, et cetera. So what would you say to those listening about, well, how is that even possible? And, and how would they do that? Sure. So a few things. If you're at the founder stage or if you're starting up, A lot of it has to do with what most of us did when we started out, which is just keeping expenses low. It means not throwing $10,000 at some course or coaching weekend, hoping it will happen and actually doing the work. Like a lot of the times, you know, we would rather not read the $10 book and actually implement. We'd rather somewhere we think it's going to be magic. We buy the $10,000 course that it will happen. Well, sometimes it will. And sometimes we have to happen. So part of it's that. And then part of it's just introducing it as a variable. At some point, if you decide to be an entrepreneur, you said that you want to either or, or do some combination of make more money, have more freedom, do the work you want. And when you were younger, you worked for less per hour and you knew that if somebody didn't pay you more, you would leave and you'd go somewhere else. Well, why isn't paid time off part of that equation? If we add it, it, it can be. Wow. 
Okay. So a lot to unpack there, but I love what you said about, you know, we'd much rather go to this, you know, big event, spend $10,000 good. Cause I've been there. I have been there. I remember, and many of my listeners know these stories, but when I started my business, it was in, it was 13 years ago, 12 or 13 years ago. And I knew what I was passionate about, but I had no idea how to, how to run or start a business. So I invested in a lot of conferences and coaches and, you know, wake up about a year late, uh, two, two later with a lot of debt and realize there's you, at some point you have to stop learning and start implementing <laughs> if you want to be successful. So I loved you. You hit that right off the bat. Yeah. There's a balance. I mean, obviously you and I are both coaches, so I'm not against coaching, No, but sometimes we can get so in learning mode. It's like the kid that wants to stay in college forever. And at yeah. some point you need to kind of, you know, have the uh, rubber hit the road. Yeah, totally. So what's your background? Uh, you, you, your bio said that you you had a software company, but but how did you get to be doing what you're doing today? What's the backstory? Okay, so the short entrepreneurial journey is weeding for the parents, selling candy in school, lawn mowing business. Um, dad's a, a state farm agent. So I grew up in the insurance agency world, grew up in his agency uh, and worked there over the summers. Thought I wanted to do that. Hurricane Andrew hits Florida, messes up the Florida market. I decided to start working on my master's degree in psychology, which is what I thought I always wanted to do. Thought I would have time to work my way up income-wise, met my the person who became my wife. Within three months of doing that, then realized, okay, I can't afford to go from you know, 30 hours a week making 60,000 to 60,000 or 60 hours a week making 30,000. And in the middle of all of that, the coaching clients I'd worked with when I left the large company organization, State Farm, great company. I just wanted to kind of do my own thing. I just started working from different clients, just doing consulting work for them. And then one of them just said, hey, you know what? Our software's not really doing what we'd like it to do, a compensation software. Never even thought of being in the software business, but was and have been pretty competent with software and created an application. And then that just blew up into what has, gosh, paid at least 60 to 80% of my income for the last 20 plus years because- wow. Somewhere, this is why I, at least for me, know that there's a God because I wasn't smart enough to come up with this. <laughs> and for some reason, I was smart enough to say, okay, well, and, and also perhaps I needed the money enough to say, because I'd gone through all, saved all this money and mm. tore through it unintentionally, trying to start my business, not knowing what I was doing, making some mistakes, was going to do uh, charitable financial estate planning uh, at 28 uh, with glasses, you know, so I could look older. <laughs> but at 28 years old, nobody wants to know what. You're, you think of what they should do with their money when they're in their fifties and then the tech bubble burst. And so a lot of charitable intent was gone. So there's just did a lot of different things, but continued just moving forward, wrote a lot of books uh, about 20 years ago when I knew everything when I was younger and I don't know as much, it <laughs> a lot longer to write a book because you second guess yourself more. At least I do. I do as too. I older. As much as I try not to edit when I write, I still sometimes do. Uh, but yeah, so during that time, I've just been blessed to work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm, I really, I guess, am good at that just basics of looking at a business, what's not working, because I've been in business for years. I've made a lot of the mistakes. Any business of, let's say, zero to 25 people, I've worked with them, coached them, and made the mistakes myself at different times. So just been able to do that. I've tried to do that thing where you make a course and it's a thousand bucks and you know 10,000 people buy it and you make $10 million. I've not figured out how to do that yet. Some people can. I'm not that talented or, or whatever the thing, the word is for that. But along the way, I've been able to just stay focused on 
looking to serve people. And then about seven years ago, I had a couple mentors, two completely different people from different parts of my life that both challenged me to say, look, if you're going to do this three day weekend, four day work week stuff, stop, stop talking about it and do it. And so for at least 85, 90% of the last seven years on the weekends, I'm not working with my family or friends or, or doing stuff. I love that. And that's what we all want. I mean, nobody starts a business because we want to be working all the time. I mean, it's the absolute opposite. Most entrepreneurs, most people that start something, it's because they're, they're tired of being, you know, in my own case, you know, I was in corporate America and I had small kids. And I was like, I was tired of missing things and tired of not being able to get off to go to my son's play or, you know, whatever. And so, but then you get into this entrepreneurial journey and realize, oh my gosh, like, and because there's so much at stake because your income is a hundred percent based on what you do with this business. Um, you know, most entrepreneurs don't have that time that they thought they would. And it, it's just the opposite of what they had hoped for. Yeah. There was something that I heard once, I forget who said it. It might've been Boise or somebody else. Boise was relating something that he had heard somebody say, and I'd heard actually Debbie Ford say the same thing years ago is that many people are not successful as entrepreneurs because they are not comfortable staying in their lane. They want to be something different. If you look even, and it's kind of a common joke, a lot of NBA players want to be rappers. A lot of rappers want to be players. And yeah. most of the people that follow both of them are like, I'd, I'd take either. But there's almost this diminishing, oh, I'm just in the NBA. I'm, you know, I'm, I come off the bench. Dude, you're in the NBA. Yeah. Oh, I'm just a million, you know, multi seven figure, eight figure musician or whatever it might be. So for me, even the software thing is something I'm really talented at not as passionate about, but it makes a lot of the money and allows me the affordability to even do, even the three-day weekend, a lot of the work I do with that is somewhat passion project, not yet monetizing the way I would want it to, and yet I'm helping a lot of people. And then I have an in-between where I coach insurance agency owners, because I know that world really well, and that I monetize very well. But in all of that, um, I think the thing that keeps coming up for me that I've had to do, which no doubt you've probably seen even more than I have because of who you've worked with, it's so tempting to want to be in the A-list crowd, but I know very few people that are even in the B or the C-list crowd that are not having a really hard time balancing life and work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying it's a truism because I don't know, but I find a lot of people, there is a certain point where you kind of have to say, okay, do I really need to be at every live event? Do I really need to be on every, do I need to be everywhere all the time? Or do I just decide there's a certain amount that's enough? And my family, my friends, my life, my recreation mm -hmm. time is satisfying enough. And that's not a knock. Of course, at some point you reach leverage. Jeff Bezos has the leverage. He can hire people to do almost anything. Yeah. You hit certain levels, JK Rowling, but that's not how she got there. She did her yeah. passion. And so I think it's one of those things where, especially as we're posting to social media, we're sharing things, we're trying to be seen as an authority and share our authority. Mm -hmm. We know that we have something to offer. The metrics, gosh, they're so... They, they always come back and get you as far as the vanity or the second guessing. Yeah. Well, you know, Johnny's got 10 times the number of followers than I do. Is Johnny 10 times smarter than me? Is Susie thousand yeah. times? No, but maybe they're funnier. Maybe they're more charismatic. Maybe they're sexier, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so for me, just trying to stay anchored and then sometimes watching other people, especially you mentioned the kids thing. So our children are 16 and 13. And for the, about the last 16 years, I stopped traveling for software demonstrations for my company 16 years ago. And the income slowed down. In fact, that went, went even down a bit. And one of the toughest things 
has been watching people that I'm older than. Yeah. And where then you hear their story and like, oh gosh, I was in that program. I was ahead of them. But then some of them don't have kids and some of them do have kids. Like right. a Pat Flynn almost makes you want to poke your eyes out. because like he has kids, he has a balanced life, he does great stuff. But even still, he has that focus. But you see other people. I watched Brendan Bouchard, one of my favorite mentors. He doesn't have children. And yeah, sometimes that allows you to put even more mm -hmm. in your work. So if you're constantly comparing, which I've done, it's not a fun thing because you're always going to find that there's somebody that's more followers, right. more likes. And, and, and first, you can dismiss a few of them like, oh, that person's selfish and greedy. Well, the two gentlemen I just mentioned, they're not. Yeah. Zig, Zig wasn't. No. So, so it can be tough. I love your, um, first of all, your authenticity. I do because I, I feel like you and I think a lot alike. And, you know, when I started my business, my kids were in grade school. My youngest was in kindergarten when I wrote my first book, which I didn't write to have a business, but the book opened up the business, which is why I love helping people to tell their stories and publish books. But I remember a, like a season where I did, I felt like I had to be at every conference and this is going to do this and this is going to build on this and, and, you know, comparing and trying to be something, you know, do all the things that they say to do, they, right, quote unquote, and, but, but missing the whole point, it's not like I, I had a period where I, what I started doing, which was purely, you know, I believe by the grace of God and, you know, it was opening doors that I didn't even know existed because I kind of, you know, followed a prompting to all of a sudden I'm going over this way because, well, you have to do this. You have to do this. You should sell this. And you got to do consulting and then you do this launch and then you do this. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. So this is what I tell my coaching um, clients is just be, there's no lack of things you can do to build a business, to build a brand, to impact people's lives. The key is, is what do you want to do? You know, there's certain things that I was doing for a while. I didn't enjoy, you know, um, but I love that you brought that up because it is so tempting to, to compare. And, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, somebody's going to be attracted to you and what you can offer them that wouldn't necessarily be attracted to them. And it's a balance. And I'm, I've always put my family first too. So I, I love that you do that. And um, yeah, it's the, it's the hard, it's the, it's the hard part of being an entrepreneur that a lot of people just don't talk about, you know? Yeah. It's the, the toughest thing too, is like, I remember big fan of Wayne Dyer. I published my, I printed my first book. I wrote it 20 years ago, 22 years ago, books were still ridiculously expensive to print. Like, Maybe mm -hmm. unless I missed out, you had to drop like 15,000 just to get like a few thousand books or copies. So, you know, and he talked about how he'd go around into his car and he'd tell, you know, he'd do a local show and say, it's at the bookstore. And then people say, bookstore doesn't have it. He called the bookstore and say, hey, people are asking for this book. Guess what? I got this book. So, you know, it was brilliant marketing, but he was willing. And at that stage to drive around the entire country, my book was about enjoying the life you desire. I'm like, I don't want to drive around. I don't want to drive around. So it was sort of paradoxical. And like yeah. seven years later, when prices came down, I, I printed out, I think it was like 2,500. It was finally like maybe, maybe 5,000, something at least doable. I still have about 500 in my garage. I know. I give them out. I do. And it's okay. I'm it's okay. impacting people's lives. I don't always know how it works. And if you're a person who in any way believes that there's some sort of divine force, God, universe, faith, karma, I don't understand how it all works. I just do my best to continue to be open to saying, okay, what should I do next? How can I help people? And things seem to have worked out. Now, that doesn't mean if things aren't working out that you're a bad person. You're like, I don't know. I'm not that smart. I don't know how the whole thing <laughs> works. But I just continue doing that and 
because of, and I see this in you, I see this in a lot of people, you and I hold an esteem, let's say like Danny Bellinger, where it's like, there's a certain style, there's a certain, um, um, that we are willing to put ourselves into our work and we're willing to play the long game. Mm-hmm. And so Brennan Burchard mm-hmm. will have job security, Wayne Dyer will, Ariane Huffington will, there's people, and they might not always make the latest, greatest thing. But I think that's the thing that for me, I try to keep coming back to because every time, and I do it, I get frustrated. Why didn't this work? And I did what this person said. And mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a lot of the coaches out there that are very well-intentioned don't even always know why they did what they did. For example, real quick analogy, in the National Basketball Association, the NBA, Michael Jordan was never a great coach because he was a unicorn. Yeah. Steve Kerr, who's like, no, no, I'm a mortal. I had to learn that, like, all the fundamentals. Jordan's like, I didn't have to learn how to dunk. I just jumped and I stuck my tongue out and I dunked. And so <laughs> I think a lot of the times there's people giving advice because they got successful with one thing. My first hire worked out. I thought it was great. I was one for one, my first hire ever. <laughs> I hired remotely. I'm like, I'm awesome. I'm a god at this. Yeah. And then the next three brought me back to the normal numbers. Yeah. Reality, like, okay, I'm, I'm one for four. So I think that's part of it. But something that you and I talked about when you were on my show is I've never regretted writing my books. I've never regretted putting my family first. And I don't know if I'm halfway through my journey or whatever, but I'm just turned 50 and a while ago, happy with where I'm at. Yes. And if we're going to be an entrepreneur, if we're going to do all of this, yeah, the first three to five to seven to maybe even 10 years, you might have to work crazy hours. But at some point, if you still are, is the extra fancy car, is the bigger house, is the bigger trip, mm-hmm. is it worth it? Or what did you really want? Most people right. I talked to wanted time freedom. They wanted freedom to do the work that they would do. And then the money is a detail. But again, just like me, sometimes with the likes or the comparison, they get caught up comparing themselves with the Joneses. And then you mm-hmm. buy the car or you buy the house and now you're house poor. So it's, yeah. it can be a slippery slope. Oh, this is so good. Um, you know, so the show is called The Power of Authority Spotlight. And it's Power of Authority was my last book that I wrote. And it's really a play on words. You can't spell authority without author. And, and when I think of authority, I think of the the ability for people to want to listen to what you have to say. That's authority. That's some, you know, it's impact, it's influence and all that. So my question for you is, and I know you're doing a lot and we've already established that just because somebody else is successful with it doesn't mean that you will be or should be, but what are you seeing that is working right now in terms of like building your authority, building your brand, your platform? Because ultimately we're building all this to, obviously impact our business, but to help other people. So what are you saying out there? Yeah. So there's something I've been a student of Dan Sullivan in his program and his books for years. He talks mm. about, there's really two things. And he's, he's like one of the low, like low profile. Yeah, he is. Just, you know, he's, he's awesome. He's as good as a Tony Robbins, but it's been on the, he's been the quieter version right. uh, in a different business model. And he talks about, you know, creativity and relationships. Those are the two things you have that can't be taken. And that, you know, as you move forward, you want to, Mm-hmm. For me, relationships are huge. I, the way I produce the assets for and the, for the podcast I have, the video podcast I have, the types of guests I look to bring on, I look for givers. Mm-hmm. I look for people who I'm going to be at least in touch with in 10 to 20 years, who at some point maybe will partner, maybe we won't. Sometimes there's a match, yeah. sometimes they won't. But I look for people like that. And when I have them on the show, I do my best to promote the heck out of the content, the clips that we do. I do as best as I can to keep up and read their book if I've had them on or all those different things. So for me, the relationship building is 
has always served me 20 plus years as an entrepreneur and genuinely just having faith that if you do good things, in fact, even if you don't just doing good things, it also feels good to do them. Not even yeah. necessarily expecting things nope. back because that can also be a slippery slope. You say, I did this for Johnny. How come Johnny didn't do something? To me? I yeah. got caught in that recently. And it's such a not fun place to be. <laughs> Yeah. Because Johnny, Johnny might not even know. Johnny's just doing Johnny's thing. But just really focusing on in the content I put out, making sure it looks professional. I would rather have 10 pieces of awesome content mm -hmm. than 100 pieces of semi-awesome. Yeah. And <laughs> I've even slowed down my guest flow so I can have less guests because I couldn't keep up with it for a while. But so that, that, so that the assets that I'm sharing, the videos, the clips, that they want to share. Not that they yeah. share them. Well, I feel like I have to share this way to trying to keep that high quality relationships in the, in the content. That is so good. And you are so good at that. And we were talking about it even before the show, you do put out a lot of stuff, but you're, you're very intentional about it. And, and, and it is about the relationship, which I love. And something else you said reminded me of one of Zig's most famous quotes, which is you can have everything in life you want. If you just help enough other people get what they want. And if you think about it, that's what our businesses are for. That's why you even want to have authority. It's, you know, you're helping somebody else. And in return, you get more as the giver than, you know, but not because you're manipulating the process or, or something like that, but yeah, and then and just a quick thought on that. You know, it's funny. Zig was one of the first people who I ever listened to, like just over and over. So I went to a, a show that he was at uh, a, an event, a Peter Lowe seminar. Peter Lowe, yeah. Tampa. This is let's say ninety four, ninety five. Got the eighteen cassette set. Listened to it ad nauseum, driving around all over the place. Ad nauseum is not the right way to say because I didn't didn't make it. It was really good. Ad <laughs> ad, ad masterum or whatever. But what was what things I remind people too is. The audio quality back then was a certain level of quality. And his quality, his was, was first rate for that mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. I still learned everything. And even as a podcast, I was sometimes get caught up on, well, did I take out the, did I take out the, it's like, right. no. And in the music industry, they said, okay, now it feels good to have the, you know, the frets, the fingers on your frets in a guitar. Now that's, that's like, they had to remarket it and say, well, the, the microphones are so good. We're picking this up. Now we're going to call it authentic because oh, we can't edit all this out. And so even that perfectionism, which you and I both know is such just getting caught up again. It's, it's ego-based that you can go, you can approach from so many angles, but just look at how you can serve. And yeah. I think so much of what he did was of that spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I keep looking to create content and maybe I'll, I'll sit for those who are, especially who are thinking of putting a book. I can honestly say comfortably, my kids know what I'm about, mm -hmm. what my philosophy is about. I'll never feel like I didn't leave them. I mean, I'm, I'm still learning, so there'll be yeah. more, but, and I'm not, not looking to die, but if I were to die today, <laughs> yeah. I'd feel like, oh, left your legacy. Shared. I, I feel like I've left my legacy. And it's not because of, a, of, of no offense to being a bestseller or not. It's no. nothing to do with being a bestseller. Nothing. I got my workout. I got it in the hands of people. And then I've gotten, as I'm sure you have, you know, feedback from random people in different mm -hmm. places that I never even knew of. Wow, this made a big impact on me. Like, mm. okay. That's what matters. That is what matters. I love that. I mean, that's what motivated me to write my book in the first place, my first one, because, um, and this was before I thought I was going to even tell anybody I wrote a book, but I thought, I just want my kids to know my story, you know, and if they're the only ones who ever read it, that's okay. I just want them to know what I stand for, what I believe. And um, so I just, and, and you're, that, that's just so, so awesome. You're the same. Okay. Squirrel moment. And I know we need to wrap up, but you said, Peter Lowe, Tampa, 94, 95, 
what I, I believe I was at that event. Um, oh, wow. if it's the same one was Colin Powell, one of the speakers on the yes. platform. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh gosh. And I, I can't believe I'm even going to share this out there, but cause not many people know the story. So when I worked for Zig, I was in sales and, um, you know, I, I had a great, great run there. I was top sales, whatever for, for a little bit there. Um, anyway, one of my clients was desperately trying to get time with Zig. Well, Zig did not do one-on-one coaching ever. Because if he started it for one, he everybody'd want it. So he, my client, had a private plane and said, "Well, I know Zig speaking in Tampa at the Peter Lowe in a couple of weeks. How's he getting there? If I sent a plane for him, would he allow me to, you know, fly with him down there so he could have like two hours from Texas to Tampa?" And so that we that was all worked out, and and he agreed to it. And because it was my customer, Zig allowed me to be his um, assistant for the day. And so I got to fly on a private jet with Zig and uh, another two people and go to that event in Tampa. It was 95 or four. I can't remember exactly. Colin was there and I'm, I got to go in the green room, met Colin Powell, met um, Larry King and a bunch yeah. of other people that were at that one. And you know what my favorite memory and this isn't about because I, I'm not sharing this because it was like, oh, look at me, how cool I got to do this. This is why I'm sharing it. So Zig, bigger than life, everybody, even like I remember Larry King coming up and be like, Zig, good to see you. And, you know, and just wanting to meet him. And I'm standing there and I'm just happy to be there. And every single person who came up before he even spoke a word about himself, he said, have you met Michelle? I was on Michelle Arnott at the time. Have you met Michelle Arnott? She's the best salesperson in the world. And I mean, that I wasn't, but he made me feel like I was the star. Wow. I am now. That makes me emotional thinking about it. That's who he was. And, and it was all about serving. And so anyway, that was a squirrel moment. But when you said Tampa, Peter Lowe, I'm like, I think I was there. <laughs> That's awesome. But you know what? He had that impact. He had that authority because he did, he wrote books and he put himself out there and he, and he took risks and he, you know, he, he hustled, he hustled to build that business, but he did it for the right reasons. And he also had the discernment to say no to certain things. And just because everyone else was doing it, didn't mean he did it. And so I think we can learn a lot from that. And hopefully those listening can too, but well, wait, I really could talk to you for so much longer, but I know we need to wrap it up. What's one thing that if you could share, what's just one thing that's on your mind right now that that's important? It could be about business. It could be about personal, but one thing that that is on your heart that you want to share with the listeners. Sure. I, wow. Okay. I would just say that a lot of people don't realize how much they can shape their life. Somebody said that recently. I remember who it says they didn't realize how malleable your life is. Like you can just cut and. So what are you really going to choose? I mean, if you look at today, I mean, years ago, we would have said, gosh, if I could reach a million people. Oh my gosh, with the book that I would write, the, the show that I would host, if I always wanted to be a, you know, a host and like, like a Larry King or yeah. I, I like Johnny Carson, this or that. It's like, well, yeah, you get to do, we get to do that now. But no, 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 wait. But see, I want it with all the, all the fans. <laughs> the like, oh, that's, a whole, that's a whole different story. Yeah. If you want to do the thing, something Marion Williamson once said, I love in her book, the audiobook of her return to love. She said, a lot of people would come to her complaining that they wanted to be active. She's like, if you want to be an actor, act. You're complaining that you can't get paid millions of dollars to be an actor. It's a very different thing. Ooh. If you want to be an author, write. And oh. when I look at what 
Zig has done, what you've done, what I've done to, yes, put us in the same sense in one particular area, we chose to write a book. Mm. And there's many areas where if we were to compare, we could say, of course, Zig has done certain things you and I haven't, but in that there's a similarity. And in that, without getting caught up in levels of who's higher, that's how you start that journey. And you get mm. to your second book from your first book and your third book, and you never know when you're going to write a good book. <laughs> but I just think it's one of those things where I'm, I'm not the most disciplined person. There's a lot of things I don't do, but gosh, writing a book, having something that you put out and say, this is what I believe about this, whether it's about growing oh, avocados yeah. or, or accounting or whatever it is that you think can help other people and come from that space. Because that's, you said, mentioned that Zig hustled. Zig mm -hmm. hustled in a very heartfelt way. Yes, it he did. Ego-based. It was a, there's a, there's almost a different word that we, yeah, you're like, right. he persisted. He, and again, I'm not knocking it because the hustle used to be the band. That was a good thing. Yeah. But Pers he, he did it in a way that was, gosh. <laughs> there was a word he used. He actually, it's, it's funny. I said, part, I should have used his word, PC, persistent consistency. Yes. That is what it was. I love that. Well, this has been such a great show, Wade. Thank you so much for being on and, and sharing your wisdom. And, and I think, I know I'm encouraged and I hope those listening are encouraged, you know, not everything is the shiny happens overnight type of thing, but it, it, but if you, that's why you find out what it is that really lights you up, what you're passionate about, and, and then you're willing to stick it for the long haul. And it, it ultimately is about serving other people and helping others. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you take this information and run with it. And, you know, I, I know I'm just so inspired, but um, this is our opportunity to share our stories, to make a difference, build our authority for the purpose of serving others. So we'll see you next time. Have a great one. Thanks so much for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you're a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit us at go.michelleprince.com forward slash podcast dash guest to apply. That's go.michelleprince.com forward slash podcast dash guest. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, michelleprince.com or performancepublishinggroup.com or find me on social media. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.